Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's go. FC Live. John Podfather's here. And Kratz. We had a long night, and it was worth it. We did a little watch-along. So, did you have fun, Kratz? Yeah. I didn't want to leave. I stayed longer than I was supposed to stay, but it was good. I, I enjoyed it. What a great game, too. Ah, uh-huh. I wish I was around for the for the finale of that thing. Thank you to Danny Graves, who was part of the show. Uh, Ross Stripling was a star. Pierzynski from the hotel room. We'll have another one, so stay tuned for more details on that front. But, damn. I mean... I'm not going to bullshit. Like, let's just get right to it. Let's charge the damn mound powered by Tiza. He's on one today, folks. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the best games of the year, if not the best game of the year, especially with the stakes that high and the amount of uh, the pendulum swinging oh, man. to the other side now in this series. So, 5-4, Braves come back dub. What will you remember? Oh, man. What will I remember? I, I think of Travis Darno for one. I mean, I played with him. Guy comes up clutch with a, on, a, on a nasty slider that kind of just hung up there a little bit. Bam. He comes in. Hasn't played a lot recently. Just still comes in like nothing's happened before. Bam. Two-run homer. Kind of, you know, it didn't kickstart. I know Cunha's did. You know, the error that Turner made. Um, got the one run, but a two-run homer. Put him right back in it. And then, poof. It was it was one thing after another. It didn't feel like you know Phillies were up four nothing. It was like ah, another game, but once Alvarado came out, I was like, All right, I, I don't know. I felt like they should have left him in for another batter or two. Don't call him. You know, I'm really? not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit there and pimple. You know, they should have won the game. It's not because he wasn't pitching, but I would have liked to see him stay in there. But God, he golfed that one out. Um, what's his name at third base? Um, Austin. Riley. Riley, Jesus, man. Riley off of Hoffman. Hoffman. If, if you're listening to the pod, we're looking at the dinger right now from Riley. What Damn. A, he said he basically had one hand on the bat when he swung, man. It just goes to show you in those situations, you just got to touch me. He basically scissor kicked. He did a Frank Thomas. His his fat back foot came pretty much off the ground. Skippity doo dunkaroo. See you later, man. It was, <laughs> uh, it was a beautiful thing, man. Why, this is what playoff baseball is. And then the final outs. Come on, dude. Makes a diving or a jump and catch into the wall. Harris did catch it, throw it right away. That that's what you teach young kids. Catch it, get it, get it in. Even if it's a little off off kilter, ricocheted off of um, Ozzy Albie's glove. Man, don't celebrate. Get the ball in. Boom, gets the tie, the tag out at first. I don't blame Harper. I mean, maybe he shouldn't have rounded first base. Maybe he should have stayed, you know, just in front of it because it definitely would have been second and third at the very least with one out. But man. What an exciting game. I mean, you, you'll never see an ending like that again. I think everybody in this situation did everything right except Harris's throw went <laughs> to the wrong. I'm not even sure. Like the middle infielders, they weren't lined up correctly. And he threw it to where they were supposed to or where they where they were lined up to. They should have been lined up to second. I mean, to first. But it was just it like – like the whole like celebration at the end of the game, that was uh, that was such true, like emotional feeling of what that game had. We had a no hitter through five plus. We had ten punch outs by Wheeler, and then you have an error that kind of led to one run that you were like, ah, oh, you know, you don't never want to give the Braves anything. And then you bring Hoffman in; he's given up two. Two extra base hits on his slider this year. Just so happened, that was one of them. So, like, this game had everything. Both teams need to be – they need their off day today. Not just to travel. They need it to be like, whew, that was a game. So, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be – It's this is, this is what we thought the series was going to be. Yes, the Phillies are going to think, oh, man, we wish we had that one back if they don't win the series. And just like the Braves, they have to think, like, holy crap. 
how are these guys holding our lineup down? Yeah, we won, but man, and Max Freed, I think he deserves a lot of credit. He had below average stuff for him, and he gave him all 92 or 93 pitches. So there was, there was really, it was just so much. Like this raw emotion, obviously, you know, this is after the Riley home run, but it was, it was ruckus, and they, they just, they, there was so much emotion going on <laughs> both sides. Atlanta finally had something to cheer about, which is awesome for them, for their fans. Can Atlanta bring it back, though? That's the biggest thing, because Philly is going to be bumping. I need that Michael Harris back on foul territory. We had him on <clears throat> in spring training, and he was super shy. And I'm like, come on. I MH2. did too. Kratzy, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I did say Phillies in four. So that was that, that was the game right there. I'm going to give them. And that's their gonna, one. That's their one game, and then we're going to go. You don't back mean back. you don't mean to toot your own horn, but you just did. Oh wait, two, two. So yeah, you think you they're going two. to Philly? They're taking two, and also yeah. we can see Sarah Lang's and the win probability there, and how it plummeted pretty quickly, of course, for a Phillies team that was kind of overpowering the Braves up until that point too. I mean, you know, Wheeler was nasty. He brought all of his pitches. He was working that heater up in the zone early. And then you see the sweeper down low and away, like so many ways to put guys out or to get guys out. And then the relievers in the Phillies bullpen all throw a billion. I think Jeff Hoffman actually might be like the soft, soft tosser. tosser. Yeah. Cause he's, <laughs> what is he like? 95, 96. He touched right? 97, I think, last night. Oh, he touched 97? I, th I oh, thought he hit it. 98 one, every once in a while, too. Now, listen, he used to be a starter with the Rockies. Um, Yeah, and now he's – he, although, let's put him reliever. He'll probably – you know, we'll see what happens. 96 to 98. Come on, dude. It's not fair. Did you guys hear – did you guys hear how he got his spot on the Phillies roster? Not saying he wouldn't have gotten it anyway. No, let us know. I don't oh, know. Were you gone already during the watch party? Oh, go, go ahead. You tell it. You tell it. No, I, like they were saying he was brought down when Harper was rehabbing. He didn't want to go and rehab games down to the minor leagues. So they brought some Lehigh Valley pitchers down to Philly to face him. And afterwards, Harper was like, dude, why is this guy not on our team? And they were like, well, I don't know. <laughs> and then he went back to Lehigh for a minute, came back down. He's one of their high, high leverage guys that they have used in – Huge situations. He comes in two stark differences. Rysel Iglesias hasn't come in a game with runners on base the entire season. And Hoffman hasn't come in with a clean inning, but like two or three times the entire season. Hoffman gets hit. Rysel Iglesias, the hero. If I'm whoever that front office person is that Harper spoke to and said, why isn't he on the team? I'm going up to Harper right now and being like, see, this is why. No, I'm totally kidding. He's such a troll. <laughs> Just to like lighten the mood and be like, yeah, I know he had like a two ERA the whole year, but like that's why. That's why we didn't have That's why we didn't call him up because we knew Austin <laughs> Riley was going to do a Todd Frazier and put one 360 down the line. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this, Kratzy. Do you feel like the curveball was the right call there? You do. Okay. I, 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 w I was in between there because he – go ahead. No, and I, I say – and I say I got no problem where he landed it. He's not yeah. looking to walk a guy there. I'm not saying that you – there's times when you pitch around guys, and I'm not saying he can't hit the outer outer half with that curveball slider thing. I think technically it's a slider. It just – it moves like a curveball. Yeah. Like it, it moves like this instead of the sweeper slider. But they – but he – all the the whole year, he's talked about, even before the playoffs, he talked about how so, most of his success is from his stuff, yes, but he was always nibbling in the zone, and you can't nibble. He did everything he needed to do for Riley right there. The numbers against that pitch are so much so that the first pitch I throw in the exact situation again, if he when he's back out there in game three, is that slider. And I say – he doesn't hit a homer on it because it's just it's a pitch he doesn't he doesn't leave out here because of his high arm angle. He doesn't spin too many of them arm side, staying into the righty where Riley won't run out of bat with it. So it's just really a land that pitch outer half. Just so happened he landed at middle middle, and it's you know it was a three two pitch. Like 
tip your cap. He he's mm-hmm. he obviously knows he needs to make a better pitch or he can make a better pitch than that, but you also can't walk the guy right there to get to you don't want to get to Olsen. Olsen? Is Olsen hitting after Riley? Um I'm not sure. I forget now. I'm, my, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Olsen after Riley. Yeah. I can and I should know that because they basically kept the whole lineup the whole year besides <laughs> yeah. game one. Uh, yeah, besides, yeah, it was. besides it game was one. Yeah, it was Olsen. Yeah. Um also, I just want to give credit before we move on to the Braves bullpen because they kept that game in check. Yeah. I know first inning two, Phillies could have done more. You can look back and say, hey, four hits. You had the bags full. You only got to run out of it. Remember, Ross Stripling was on with us during a watch along that we did on FT's YouTube channel. And he was like, hey, I'm actually feeling pretty good after that first inning if I'm Max Freed. Just battled through it. There was a lot of contact and got by with just one run allowed with the best offense in baseball if not at least the national league so credit there but credit to the braves bullpen too for for holding this game in check and what they did the braves bullpen has is two ingredients that works for them okay because you guys do the baseball analysis i'll just tell you post game <laughs> said it's it's heart and it's nuts kids okay heart and nuts that's what he said those are the two things you need to have a good Braves bullpen. Love That's it. it. Get, your, get your peanuts here. Uh, <laughs> hey, Todd Stradamus, if they go game five, since you're Nostradamus on this and you're and, and you're actually wrong, which hasn't happened yet this year, hmm. do they go back to Max Fried? I mean, who else would they go to? I'm saying. I, did I you think... see enough from them that you're like – yeah, I, I saw. I saw enough. I, he, I don't. I don't think they need him back. I, I, yeah, I think they would need him because, I, I mean, where else would you go? Just a straight bullpen game. Yeah, I, I, I think you would start him with a short leash. Okay. So. Yeah. I, I agree do. with that. You don't have any options right it's, now. It's, for, it's not getting there for though. Length. It's not getting a five. No. Wow. They're Sorry. gonna beat Strider game four. They are. That's what happened last year, but just like they beat, they beat them strategy. game one. This is like carbon copy of what happened last year in the series. Like it's it crazy. Is, this is nuts, man. I love it. Let's see what it's happens so game good. three, though, because I mean the Braves' offense is really, really good, yeah. really and good. you saw that eventually. It's just hard to keep them down, whether it's Nola or eventually the bullpen in game four. It's going to be tough. So or game three, and then. Obviously, we'll see what happens mm. in game four. We'll get to Arizona and L.A. later. We're going to go to the Orioles contest against the Rangers. Can the Orioles stay alive? They're the late game against Texas. Uh, Dan Connolly will join us when we swing back on FT Live on Stadium. Poll question today, prediction style. There will be, oh, first off, before we get to the poll question, most importantly, you see that beautiful display? Like, no, it's don't like, touch it. Don't touch it. Teaser. Is just perfectly placed on the desk and also could be perfectly perfectly placed on your desk. Thanks to Jesse. Yeah, good job, Jesse. If you use the discount code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for 20% off your first order at teasaenergy.com. If you dip, no, no nicotine, no tobacco. Don't do that anymore. Please stop it. Um, order some Teza. And even if you don't, it is uh, all natural, like a tea bag for you. And you can look up more ingredients at teasaenergy.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, let's run it on Orioles Rangers because this could be a sweep. But let's get more insight from former athletic writer and now with WMAR-TV and SportsNot.com. S-P-O-R-T-S-N-A-U-T.com. Kind of like astronaut. <laughs> it's the great Dan Connolly who covers the Orioles um, on a daily basis. At Dan Connolly. 2016. Dan, how are you and are you enjoying the series? Good, guys. And it's certainly an interesting series. Maybe not the one that Orioles fans were expecting, but it's definitely a good one. Okay. So I also just want to say this right off the jump because I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while. This is your first time here with us on FT Live. Your article about John Angelos during the season was incredible. One of the best articles I read all year to give like a really comprehensive look at how the franchise runs. 
we'll we'll get to that later. Let's do the glass half full fun stuff first because it's been a great year for Baltimore. So tell me your thoughts and expectations heading into Texas. I mean, obviously they were super excited for ball in Baltimore. They went through Tank City, super tank team to get to this point. Very excited about how well they did in the American League, and then the Rangers take it to them in the first two games. Do you think they still have a chance? You know, it's tough, guys. I mean, you know, down 2-0 and going to Texas. And Texas, you know, they haven't had a, a playoff game in a while as far as at home is concerned. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be loud. And this is a team, an Orioles team, won 101 games. It's the first time they've done that since 1980. And they expected to win one, if not two, at home. And so to go 0-2 into Texas is not where they expected. The good thing about this team is it is so young. It is so confident. It may not realize how daunting this situation is. And they might actually be able to overcome it because they've overcome everything this year. Uh, you know, this team has not been swept since May of 2022 before Adley Rushman even took this, you know, even joined this team. So do they have a chance? Yes. Is it going to be the, the most difficult, daunting chance so far that they've had this year, this, you know, since the, the rebuild? Absolutely. Let me ask you this. So the Orioles coming into the year, nobody expected this out of them, how good they were going to be, win the division, everything else. Will this be, uh, you know, say they get swept or say they even lose the division. It's going to be a season like, ah, oh, man, you know, it was, we should have done better. It's a season to forget, or is it going to be like, all right, man, look at what we did right now. Let's, let's look to the future. I think this has to be a season to build on because, like you said, they, they weren't supposed to be this good, first of all. Um, you know, they won 83 games. They went from 52 wins to 83 wins, 21 and 22. That's a huge jump. No one expected another 20 win or so, or so jump here. So I think that they have to – to feel like this was a success regardless. You never want to lose. You never want to get swept. Uh, but I think they feel like this is something they can build on because of the youth they have. A 22-year-old Gunnar Henderson, a 23-year-old Grayson Rodriguez, a 25-year-old Adley Rutschman. Even their veterans like Hayes and Mullins and Santander are all in their, their mid to late 20s. So I do feel like this is a, a building on team. You know, Adam Jones had said previously that this team reminds him of the 2014 Kansas City Royals, which took out the Orioles in 2014. And then in 2015, they won the World Series. I think that's what the Orioles have to look at, that this was a year that they told everybody that they're here. And now it's going to be a year next year and beyond that they really do fight for a World Series. So do they really want to build on this team? Because that, well, that takes money. That takes someone else stepping up and being like, oh, yeah, we do want to build on this team and we want to keep these guys together. We don't want – you possibly could have a two-year window here with this team. And I know I'm being – you know, I'm, I'm on the lower end. Everyone's thinking, well, Gunnar Henderson's a rookie. He's going to be here for six years. Eh, they probably trade him if they're not willing to spend money on somebody. Well, here's the thing. I don't know if they'll spend money. They haven't spent money. And I don't think that they're really into spending money at this point. Sort of like, you know, they look at Tampa Bay and Cleveland as teams that, that you know, they emulate themselves after. That said, this is the best farm system in baseball right now. And they have so many guys that other teams would covet. And so if they want to go get a pitcher, a starting pitcher, for instance, they may have to do it through trade and not through a free agency. Um, are they willing to give up some of their young studs? Probably, especially if you, know, you look at the middle infield and they have five or six or seven guys who really are considered you know, young up-and-coming players. They have a guy, Joey Ortiz, who can't crack the lineup. They, you know, they, they have guys like that. They can package a couple of those for a team that wants to get rid of a starting pitcher. So they may not have to obtain that number one or number two guy via free agency. They may be able to get them you know, through trade and then pay that guy what his salary is. I think they're willing to do that. I'm not sure they're willing to spend you know, five years and a hundred and some million dollars on a pitcher. So you're saying they wanted to emulate who again? What, what were the two teams? Well, Cleveland and Tampa were, the two, were two of the teams that they have talked about. And you know you want them to emulate at Houston. Yeah, Houston has two right. World Series, and right. Houston's locked up Altuve. Houston has gone out and maybe overspent on an Abreu. Houston has gone out and gotten Verlander. Like, right. if you want to emulate two teams that have zero championships, oh, but the Rays got to the World Series. So do the Orioles really want to win a World Series? I'm not talking about the players. Right. I'm talking about the organization. 
Bregman resigned and Tucker probably will resign too. So Oh, I that. Mean, they're keeping dudes. If if you're talking organization and you're talking ownership, I'm not so sure. They don't pay do. they don't spend the money. And that's and that's the thing. They haven't and they don't. Are you talking Mike Elias? Does he want to do that? Absolutely. They are only a player or two away from really making major noise here. And they made, I mean, they won 101 games. They already made noise. But to get to where you're talking about, to get to the World Series or being a World Series contender and winning a World Series, yeah, they have to add. And they should add financially. I just don't, you know, I mean, I've covered this team 23 years. I haven't seen the adding financially at all in that time. It's, you know, it's a little bit of a different ownership. The Sun's in charge now. But I, I don't see them going that way. I see them trying to do it via their you know, their collateral in the minors. So tell us the mindset then while we're on this topic of John Angelos, who you know is a daddy money guy. He's the son of Peter who got the team going. And at one point did spend some money. Remember like the Miguel Tejada era where the Orioles were spending some cash on a team that had you know franchise players that, that you could uh, – kind of build around and also market, which is a big thing. Like we're seeing from teams like the Braves and the Phillies, like names that we know you can buy the the Jersey and know that it's going to be there for a bit. So yeah, give, give me a little inside info on, on what's going on through his head and some of the experiences that you've had with one of baseball's friendliest owners. Sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me say, first of all, in correction, they will spend money. I mean, they've spent money on hitters over the, the years, um, but we're not talking about the $200 million players. $161 million was the most they've ever spent in one player. That was Chris Davis, one of their own free agents, and that was a disaster. So they're not going to you – know, they, they won't spend $200, $250 million on a player, especially a, a pitcher, but really on any player. So they're going to spend money, but they're not going to spend that kind of money. Okay, so let's just say that. I mean, they've had payrolls in the top ten before. Uh, they had the number one payroll overall in 1997 before. So let's not say they won't. But it's doubtful that they spend for that guy or those two guys. That said, you know, John Angels actually told the New York Times, he doesn't talk to us that much, but he did tell the New York Times that, you know, he feels like this is a team that is more like, and I had said earlier, more like a Cleveland or a Tampa, and they're never going to be that top financial team. He also basically made it sound like they wouldn't necessarily sign those young players to large deals. That really deflated a fan base that wants to see Adley Rutschman and wants to see Gunnar you know, Henderson on this club for a long period of time. Um, given that particular statement, then, then yeah, I don't think you're going to see a lot of money spent. And John Angelos is, is a strange bird. I mean, he, he wants to build around the stadium. He wants to have a battery-esque you know, area, like an entertainment area similar to the battery in, in Atlanta. He wants to build it as a destination place in Baltimore. He's very civic-minded to Baltimore, as his father was. And, you know, he wants to, to build around the Orioles' brand. Now, that does that mean they should win? Yeah, because that, that's how you build around a brand. But I'm concerned that he's more worried about that part of it than he is what, what actually is on the field. He went out and got Mike Elias. He went out and got Brandon Hyde. Those two guys have been a great combo. But – you know, you've you got to have the players, too. And that's the one concern here is, will they keep their players and will they add to it? And with John Angelos, it doesn't sound like he, he is saying yes to those questions, at least right now. You don't have to dive deep into this, but do you think the Chris Davis deal had something to do with this? It did initially. It did during uh, his father's reign, uh, Peter Angelos's reign. Uh, he wasn't spending that kind of money after that. They, you know, they did that in, in uh, 15, and then they ended up – it was a terrible deal – and they end up not spending money from that point on. I think that's changed a little bit. I think they will spend, you know, a $150 million deal, maybe for the right guy at some point. Um, but, yes, it absolutely handcuffed this team from, say, 2017 on. Manny Machado was a guy they would have loved to sign, but there was no way they were spending that kind of money uh, after they, you know, put that money into the Davis thing, and it, it completely collapsed. Have you seen anything in the clubhouse or heard anything from the players? When we had Adam Frazier on, we mentioned the – comment that John Angelo said about how, you know, it's going to be tough to re-sign some of these young guys. And Adam Frazier's exact words were, oh, we heard that loud and clear. So have you heard yeah. anything from the players in the clubhouse? The, the thing is that a lot of these guys, and Adam's a veteran, he's one of the few veterans there, right? Um, a lot of these guys aren't really thinking beyond because they're in their first and second year. They're not even at arbitration yet. But does that resonate when you think that you want to keep this group together? This is as close of a, a group that I've ever been around. The 2014, that 2020 
2012 to 2016 team with Adam Jones and Nick Markakis and, and J.J. Hardy and those guys was exceptionally close. This team is the same way. They've all kind of grown up together. They really like each other. They want to stay and win championships in Baltimore. The Orioles fans are nuts right now. And, you know, they want to be able to keep that together. So does that resonate in the clubhouse? Absolutely. But I think that these guys are going to take their time a little bit as well to worry about that stuff because they're so far away from free agency. They are here for five more years or whatever. But for the veteran guys, they see that and think, hey, you know, we're not going to be able to keep this group together, I'm sure. Um, Dan, let's swing back to the series for a moment. Um, what do you think the Orioles can learn from, say, the Rangers? Obviously, the money can tie right into this because Cal Raleigh said the same thing about Texas, how they've done a nice job building. They went through a little rebuild, but then they also threw, threw down financially. And you're seeing that at the top of their order for sure. And even obviously with some of the pitching that they have. And actually, you know, what's scary is the Rangers could be that much better. They, they're like, hey, let's get through the DS because Scherzer's coming back and John Gray, which makes them even more of a yeah. force. You know, I was going to say DeGrom, but he won't be back. Next no, year. not DeGrom yet, <clears throat> but, which is crazy. It's like, oh, DeGrom's on IL. But I mean, the Rangers have spent significant money. It's not always all going to work, but they're in this position for that reason. Yeah. And I mean, you look at this Texas team and there are two ways to do this. You know, you can just completely shut it down, completely tank and come back, you know, if you can make that work or you can do it partially and then supplement financially. And the Rangers have done that. But then they have a guy like Evan Carter comes up, you know, a guy that they drafted, and he's been scary for, for them. I mean, I think he's five for 10 with with a, a home run and two, three doubles and something. Um, he's been exceptional to the point where the Orioles were actually game planning for him in game one and, and chased their best starter out just to face Evan Carter and, and the guys behind him. So Texas has done it right. And I think Mike Elias, who, you know, is, is the Orioles GM, was there in Houston and and helped oversee the, the tanking there. You know, they built through the farm system. They built through international, but they also spent money. And, you know, we're seeing this with Texas. Texas is such a really good combination of that, where the Orioles aren't there yet because they don't have many of those, like, star leaders. They just have a lot of, like, you know, classy, hardworking leaders like the Adam Frazier's and, and Kyle Gibson's. Let me ask you this. We got Dean Kramer on the mound tonight. Hyde said he's been good all year. It's a guy that we got to go to back against the wall. Is this the guy that, that needs to be out there for them? Me personally, I probably would have gone Kyle Gibson because he's experienced and he's a guy that, that, that's you know been around it. But Dean Kramer has been a, a better pitcher for the most part all season than Gibson. He's got a 4.12 ERA. He won 13 games for this team. Uh, the two clinchers that the Orioles had, the playoff clincher and then the AL East clincher, they were started by Gibsons. I mean, I'm sorry. They were started by Kramer. So he's got that. He understands what it's like to pitch in a big game. There's also the, the other side of this, too. He is a dual citizen of both the United States and Israel. And he spends a lot of time in Israel since he was a boy. He has a lot of extended family there. Obviously, with the situation, declaration of war in Israel, he's got a lot of things on his mind. The Orioles, Brandon Hyde, the manager, talked to him, made sure he was okay with it. A lot of these players, like I said, very close um, they've talked to him, make sure he's doing okay, make sure his family's doing okay. He's got a lot on his mind, but he really wants this ball, and I think he's pitching for something bigger than just the Orioles right now. Um, so I guess, yeah, I guess he is the guy to go with, and, and it's going to be interesting because he's never pitched in, in this kind of situation, but he's pitched, pitched for the uh, Israel team, Team Israel and WBC, and he's pitched uh, for the clinchers. So he does have big game experience as well. Does the bullpen is the bullpen able to cover? I know they had the off day yesterday. Let's say this goes just a little bit south early, not so, you know something that maybe Kramer can get out of, but it's like <gasps> bullpen elimination game. Is there enough in this bullpen to cover the rest of the innings, or is it kind of like we need at least three out of Dean? I think you need at least three out of Dean. I mean, this is a a bullpen who has been very good most of the year. They lost their leader and closer, Felix Bautista. They've had to be able to, to deal with that. They did get that five days rest, but they most of these guys have been pitching for six months and have never pitched this long, and certainly in, in this kind of baseball. Uh, you know, they had to, they, they took out their best pitcher in four and a third on Monday. I mean, I'm sorry, on, on Saturday, 
in Kyle Bradish. And so the bullpen had to fill those five innings. Then they had to fill pretty much the entire game on Sunday when Grayson Rodriguez you know, went out early. So they need to be able to mix it up. Now, Brandon Hyde said that, that it is a all-hands-on-deck situation, and that includes maybe even Kyle Gibson to, you know, to be behind Kramer if needed. I think they're going to – if Kramer can pitch – you know, keep it scoreless for a while. He'll go as long as they can. But I think they're going to be mixing and matching a lot here um, simply because, wall, you know, backs against the wall and they have to win this game. And they don't want a 101-game season to end with three straight losses in the playoffs. What do you think happened to Grayson Rodriguez that, you know, made his start um, really a failure in his mind? I know he's a guy that's actually got a lot of confidence. I know he struggled at the beginning of the year, went back down, came up firing. He's got stuff for days it is number one elite stuff and he knows it it's just that the rangers figured him out pretty quickly after the what first or second inning there well he walked four guys and in two innings and that's you know the big thing there he got out of a base load jam in the first but then they you know the rangers can really hit we can't like dismiss that either i mean they're a really really good offensive team they can be both aggressive and wait out pitchers. And that's kind of what they did a little bit. They, you know, they, they seized on a couple 0-1 or, or 1-0 pitches um, and got some hits. And then they also waited him out when he wasn't hitting his spots. And so he, he kind of created his own problem. But this Texas Rangers offense, guys, is really, really good all the way down. You throw Evan Carter in that fifth spot the way he's been hitting, and my goodness, is it deep. Okay, last one from me. Um we look back at the trade deadline and they picked up Jack Flaherty. Obviously, you know, Jack has not been the prime Jack Flaherty that we saw from several years ago. He's gone through shoulder issues and just, you know, the stuff's not what it used to be, at least for now. Hopefully he gets back to that at some point. Um, they didn't get a ton of attention, but I felt like there should have been more. This was their time to strike. They were in line to be in a position like this. What did you want to see? I mean, obviously, it's easier to look back now, but what did you want to see when you looked back then? Were you critical? And, you know, was there anything else you were hearing about? It's easy to look across and go, Jordan Montgomery would look pretty damn good in an Orioles uniform <laughs> right now. Could have had him. This is going to sound retrospect, but that was the guy that I was targeting for them. I thought Jordan Montgomery, as a left-hander, um, as a guy who pitched in the American League East, as a guy who wouldn't cost you that much. He wasn't Max Scherzer. He wasn't Justin Verlander. I think a guy like that, would have been perfect for them. Um, and now it's, it's really easy to say that now, right, guys? But that's the guy that I was targeting for them. Uh, you know, they actually had some talks about, about Verlander. I mean, they, you know, they were interested in getting a guy, but they didn't want to give up Jackson Holiday, who's number one pitching, I mean, number one hitting prospect in the game. They didn't want to give up a collection of top players for a rental. And I think they would have loved for like a Corbin Burns or a guy like that to be available, but obviously he had some work to do in Milwaukee. So, yeah, they should have done more. And I think they should have gotten one or two starters. And I certainly think they should have gotten a little bit more in the bullpen help-wise. They got Fujinami, who is not on the on the roster here. They big, did pick up Webb. But, again, it was more of a, you know, off-the-waiver-wire kind of situation. They should have gone out and been more aggressive for a starting pitcher or two and a, you know, a good, solid reliever or two. And they didn't do that. That was where they needed the help. And that we're seeing this now. Now, at the time... Felix Bautista was their closer, but, you know, obviously he got hurt at the end of August and, and that's kind of changed the bullpen uh, as well. So I think they should have been more aggressive. I think they should have been worrying about this year and not if they could get somebody for this year and a couple of years down the road. And I think that's what they were focused on, more of an overall big picture guy um, or a rental that wasn't going to cost them much. And that's what uh, what Jack Flaherty was. We're going to run this clip tomorrow because you're going to answer this like you were on the show tomorrow. The Orioles won the game because – complete the sentence. Because they pitch well. I mean, that's that's simply they have to pitch well. They do not have an offense that is the same as the Texas Rangers offense. They have to pitch well. They, you know, Nate Ovaldi has been really good against their offense as well. I mean, overall, historically, I think he's 8-2 with a low 3 ERA in 16 starts against the Orioles, but not these Orioles – but they have to be able to both pitch well, and then they need to manufacture runs. They're a fast team. They're an aggressive team. They need to get a guy on first, steal second, and come home on a single. They need to do those kinds of things, sacrifice flies. They need to manufacture runs and then keep this Rangers offense at bay, and I'm not sure they can do that, guys. 
Well, we'll see what happens. And uh, they're going to have to win three in a row. They haven't been swept in, in uh, light years. So we'll see if that, uh, <laughs> that continues. <laughs> At Dan Connolly 2016 to follow him on Twitter and see his work on WMAR-TV and sportsnot.com. Dan, great to have you on. Appreciate the time, man. Absolutely. Have me anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, FT Live. Let's get to the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers now as they take another break before they head back to Arizona. Yesterday's action. Not good for L.A. No. 16 games better than the Diamondbacks in the regular season, but everything shrinks in the playoffs. I mean, Kratz, you look at the Diamondbacks, and one of the big things was, well, their bullpen's shaky. They don't have a lot of length in their starting pitching depth. You know, it's not a great one through five. It's really just two dudes. Okay, well, welcome to a five-game series where <laughs> two dudes can shine. So uh, they take their 2 nothing lead back to Arizona. That place better be going nuts because this team has been the Cinderella team of the MLB postseason. I got to use the line because if you listen to Fair Territory, which is out now, uh, Rosenthal says, this is not the March Madness bracket, but MLB actually really is into the March Madness bracket. So this is your Cinderella. <laughs> This is, they're not Cinderella. Like, look at what they've done throughout the year. I get it. They haven't had a lot of starting pitching, but they have a, the starter of the all-star game on their team. They have Merrill Kelly, who is an elite number two for a team. A lot of teams would take him as their number one. And they have a lineup that has a guy with rookie of the year, 30 plus, someone has 30 plus homers in their lineup. He, rookie of the year is the first ever 25-50 rookie in the game. Like, this team plays the game of baseball really, really well. And right now, when the Dodgers, you, you look at their lineup and you're like, okay, who's going to hurt you in that lineup? Well, it's Freddie and Mookie, and they have done nothing. Nothing this series and nothing the series before other years as the one-two punch. They need to step up. It is really on them. Yesterday was the first inning, and the bullpen for the Dodgers came and shut the door. Just wasn't enough. They need Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman to step up, or they will be stepping out real quick. Yeah, I think you make a good point, but I also think uh, at the end of the day, this team going on the road is going to be huge for them. Take a little pressure off. You're not at home. Anything can help. You know that team can hit. Um, I think the five days off was, it, it hurt a bunch of teams, especially, um, you know, I'm not a, you know, I thought this was a good idea, but you know, for these teams that won taking that many days off, it, 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 it hurts. It hurts too as well. I don't care if you're, you know, the best hitter in the world. If not, it's going to take a couple times to get accustomed to swinging again, man. It's not, it's not live at bats. It's, it's getting after it. So for them getting on the road, I think will help. I think that'll calm them down. Do I think it's too little too late? Maybe. I've been a part of this, Scott. I've been part of up 2-0. I'm one of those 10 teams that's lost, and it's not fun. So To the Giants, you, right? Yes, and they eventually won the whole thing. But for, for the teams like the Dodgers and the Orioles, if you can win game three, all of a sudden now the pressure is back on the other teams because now, oh, we got to win this one because then it will go to game five. So finding a way to win game three is huge. You're still not out of it, but it does. It changes the the – the pressure and it changes everything else. Now the coach is like, all right, what if this happens? What if that happens instead of trying to win the game? Yeah, I mean, one for 13, Mookie and Freddie, who were like the most dynamic one-two combo in the National League, along with Olsen and Acuna, of course, two innings from your starters in the first two games. But yeah. tell me more about this 2-0. So when you guys were up on San Francisco, are you strolling around, little Frank Sinatra in the clubhouse? Oh, we, were home, we got too, it, right? We went, we went back to Cincinnati. You, yeah, so we, we went back went, home just we like went this. We two on the road, Yeah, flying home, feeling good, whatever. Game three, they won on an error by Scott Rowland. And it wasn't, you know, we don't blaming him, but that's how they won three to two or two to one. I forget what it was. And then you just see the momentum ship. Uh, Hunter Pence was like their – their guy that would rally the troops and, and, you know, have the speeches. Then they win game four by like a lot. And now we're like, Oh my God, now what? We didn't know who to pitch. It was either between Cueto and, um, Matt, um, Oh Latos. my God, Matty Latos and Cueto couldn't go. So we threw Latos, gave up the grand slam to, uh, 
to Buster, uh, Posey. Buster Posey. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I mean, this guy's uh, knows, he knows everything. Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah. And then um, we had a chance to win it. Bruce coming up at the end with uh, first and second, and uh, we just couldn't get it done. And like, I remember, like the game was over, I'm like, "What the hell just happened?" Right. It went, it went like that. So both at home. When did it swing for you? Right? Because you're feeling great. You took the first two. You go to Cincinnati. You lose that first game. Did it swing then? In terms of like where where your brain starts to go, shit, we better win this. Or was it not until you lose that game four? I, I think it was. It started in game three, like ah, because it was such a letdown. Because I think we went in extra innings, and it was just like, oh man, what just happened? All right, you know, we're good. It's all good. We got. I think they got to win too. And then when they went up in game four, I'm like, oh no. This is crazy, dude. And it, and it, and it just like you, you sink back in your chair. You're like, oh, no. What's going on? I can't get up. What's going Like, you're in quicksand. And it's just um, it's not a good feeling. So I, 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 don't, I don't wish that upon anybody, man. That's a tough one. It was 2-1 in 10 innings in that game three. And then game four, 8-3 yep. San Francisco. Yep. Game five, 6-4. Todd, let me, let, me ask, let me ask you this, though. Okay. So <laughs> I, I remember that series very well, clearly. But – Fast forward to 2017, when we lost the first two games on that grand slam that shouldn't have happened off of uh, Lindor in Cleveland. Oh, God. Think about See, you're an emotional player. So this is, this is what yeah. I think people need to understand. Like when, fa- when players give like the generic answers of like, oh, well, you know, the Phillies are like, oh, well, we're going back. And, you know, if you told us we had one win out of – the series yeah. down there, we'd feel good about it. It's still heartbreaking. Yeah. It's still heartbreaking. And this is where the Orioles need veterans to step up and be like, guys, it's okay. We're really good. So take us to 2017 when we're down two games, heartbreaker. Like that bus from Ooh. the stadium to the airport was garbage. It was no, so – It was so – but there was a different feeling going into the locker room into game three and then game four, Greg Bird hits that homer. Ooh, but as I a was starter, on deck. It was unbelievable. That's what I mean. Like, so tell, like, give me the difference in emotions because you won one series coming back down 2 0 and you lost one being yeah. up 2 0. No, it's a great question. Uh, the bus, the flight, everything going back home. We're like, dude, uh, it was, just wasn't it. Had the day off, come back in 0 0. We're fighting, clawing. I just said, win the day. I remember Girardi came in. He, he, you know, he basically apologized about the whole thing about the the foul ball, tip foul ball yeah. that Chisenhall did, and um, basically that what they call that a hit by pitch, bases loaded, Lindor hits a grand slam, we end up losing. If we reviewed that, we'd probably win that game. But hindsight, we're coming back zero zero, tooth and nail. Finally hits the home run, we win one nothing. It's like all right, now it's go time, bro. Let's get after it. Let's enjoy this moment. Come back, win game and win game five or uh, four and then five back at their place it the momentum shifted and you think of guys like Didi Gregorius how good he was in that series you know hitting two homers off Corey Kluver in game five um yeah it was just it was something special I just felt like we weren't gonna lose but at the same time when you went down 2-0 I mean the shift of energy winning game three when you're down 0-2 is the biggest momentum shifter that can happen in a series I don't care if you're home or away. That is the biggest momentum shifter because now it's like, oh, it's like Rocky. Oh, he's still coming back. He's oh, we knocked him down five times still. It's huge. If Orioles can win and Dodgers can win that, it's going to be a huge momentum shifter. What do you want to fix the layoff? Because some Stop. people are like, I mean, like make it had, a one game, make it a one gamer. No, back to the wild card yeah. one game. I, 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 I think, we had Russ Dorsey on yesterday. He's like, yo, if you're the Braves and you're the big bad Braves, just just win. Let's see it. And they did. Makes sense. And Brzezinski's I, I, like, yo, I, I don't care about the layoff. Like, I don't know. I, I the think Phillies I had think, two days off after they won. But you're saying so it's, two, two days is, is big, bigger than five. Sure. I, everybody's like, oh, man. you can, And Cratch, you can chime in after this. He said, everybody's like, oh, man, you get your guys healthy five days? What? I mean, how much healthy you can get in five days if you got ailments? Okay. Your energy, your emotion is going to be there. But five days off from not seeing like real live in a stadium in the playoffs? I think that's huge. I think it's absolutely huge, Eric. Todd, which would you rather have, though? Which would you rather have? You think the, you think the Phillies would be like, 
Okay, so give give the teams the option. Hey, you know what, Braves? You won 104 games, whatever they won. You guys get the choice. You either get the five-day layoff or you go play the wild card series. Not a single team signs up, not one, to go play the wild card series. I know. I'm I'm I agree. I agree. But at the same time, it's it does play a part. I I you if you don't think but so, then, that's then your they, opinion. they need but to I, figure I it, it out. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do. I, I maybe you don't have that many teams in the wild card. I'm more pissed off about my layoff. I just was pissed that we didn't have teams <laughs> on Friday. Like that was a, <laughs> just prime opportunity. I'm sitting Scott really there wants I'm more rusty. games. I'm rusty. My eyes. Yeah, at like least by one Saturday, game. At I'm least like, I haven't watched playoff ball in a every couple days. team swept. That was unbelievable. <laughs> Let's cover some international news for um, our international baseball specialist of the day, Todd Father, um, letting us know about Rintaro Sasaki. And I think the comp for him is excellent. I do not know a lot about him. This is a super unique story. And do you, did you see what the comp is for him? I did. And I think, it's, I think it's spot on. He's the Japanese prince fielder. Wow. As you're reading here, late night news, 17-year-old Japanese sensation, Rintaro Suzaki will forego MVP draft and attend college in the United States while up the Japanese high school record, 140 home runs, what? that's Little League numbers, <laughs> and hit over 400, six-foot, 250-pound behemoth with top-of-the-scale raw power. And I saw a video on this guy. Oh, my God. Raw power to all fields, Eric. This guy, he looks just like Prince Fielder. He's got the shape of him. He can swing the bat. He's got quick hands. I mean, think about this. I hit 27 home runs in high school, and everybody's like, man, Unbelievable. This guy hit 140 home runs in a four-year period. Let, let's calculate that. What, how, how many home runs a year is that? How many games are they playing that, in high school? <laughs> that's what, 35? That's 40 homer? No, 35, 35 games. In, 35 homers. In Japan, they play 35 games I, per high school season? I, I, no, I no, no, no. That. No, that's 35 homers a season. But they're playing, yeah. in, the, they're playing in the Koshien tournament, too. That's, a, that's just a knockout tournament. Masa would talk about that tournament all the time. So they 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 go for a while there, but 35 homers a year? I feel like the 140. Jeff Clement held the remember Jeff Clement, first rounder out yeah. of uh USC? He held the he held the America home run, high school home run title, whatever it was. I think he had 72 or 73, mm. and it was recently beat. This dude has twice as many. <laughs> this dude is an absolute beast from the left side. And to watch him play, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see him play in college, and I also want to know what kind of money he's turning down, not going in the into the draft. Yeah, but he can get paid in the U.S. now. No, yes, he can. There's no NIL. You cannot. No international signings can come over and get NIL money. What? Yeah, that's no, why he's that, going to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's that, not into the NIL money like an LSU or other SEC schools. That's why they had it. A little bit of a drop-off this year. They've been so if there's a company in Japan that wants to give him money to do social media and some commercials, he can't do it. That, that I, don't, I don't know that. But I know here, they, they're not, it's not allowed. And international signings are not allowed to get NIL money. I don't know the whole rule about it. It's kind of weird. I don't – but there's we a need rule somebody. We need somebody more – more yeah, we'll get, we'll get more qualified. We can get Ben yeah. Badler from Baseball America. But still, this, this guy coming time. over to America to miss out on that, I, I, I could see this happening a little more often. I mean, just to see, like, hey, coming out of high school, playing for Vanderbilt, he turns 21. He's like, dude, this is where I wanted to be from the get-go. I'm going to start early. Why not? Mm -hmm. Get used to the pitching. I think it's I think it's a great idea. And if he's a stud, he'll be a first-round pick and get $10 million bucks. Yeah. College and is I, going down to the DR, picking dudes out of the DR. college. Hey, and guess what? There's a university that'll take him, Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I already talked to the head coach, so we're gonna find <laughs> we're gonna find a way to get him over there. You never know. You gonna personally take care of him? I will. Him I got a house here. We're good. Yeah, yeah. He could stay oh, wait, here. I don't know if we're allowed little, to do that. No, you can't do that. We just said you can't do that. I, I have one more question here on the high school front. Okay. And maybe this is just me because I like winning. You know, I know I didn't play pro ball or anything like that, but even in high school, it's like you're playing, you want to win, right? Why the fuck are you pitching to him? Why is he getting pitched to that often to hit 35 homers a year in high school? I love I mean, it. Challenge. Challenge. Did they not see the scouting report? Does he have the best high school lineup around him ever? Yeah. I got to read. Why this. would they pitch to him? I, I, I don't know, but I think it's awesome. Look, you're going to pitch to the guy, let him show his stuff. Man. Yeah, but Why if you're not? managing, right, like it's it's 
Tom's River High, never won the title, whatever it is, oh, yeah. right? And you've got we're, the Prince Fielder comp. We're going here. Thank you. Thank you. While NCAA college athletes were granted the opportunity to benefit from their name, image, and likeness beginning July 2021 via an intern policy, international student athletes, which account for about 12% mm -hmm. of Division One athletes or about 3,000 nationwide, have yet to reap the uh, benefits. Yet to reap the benefits. Reap. I'm looking at, look at me. I'm blind. Yeah, well, reap you're the also trying to read and, you know, it's of tough transformational to change. Yeah. So, well, that's bullshit. That's not fair. I'm going to have to read. I said reap on here like it was two words. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Retart. Retart. What's his name? Rintaro. That is a big league name. Rintaro sounds like a Pokemon. I love it. Rintaro's yacht. Maybe don't make a card. You never know, man. Baseball cards are big now. That is, that is a crazy little rule there. It, I need to see I, a Vanderbilt game with him in it. That I, I would, I mean, that's, that's must see TV. You got to, I mean, the dude's going to be starting right from jump. I would assume. For sure. Oh, of course. I mean, you're, if you had 140 him, you home runs and you're not the starter, we got problems. And also you can't drop a bag of money on his doorstep. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, you're playing right from the jump. Yeah. And for him, he's looking to go to a play. Right. I mean, you bring up Vandy. Yeah. Because yeah. they spend millions of dollars on yeah. their facilities and their tech you know, there's some schools in NCAA that, that do that better than some major league ball clubs, yeah. you know? But I, I saw the pitching, too. His high school pitching wasn't too bad, either. Like, it wasn't they were throwing a lot. They're throwing hammers. He's like, gah, oppo. You see the outfitter like this. Oh, damn. There goes another one. Dangers. So, I'm, I'm excited about it. I want to see how he faces, you know, the American pitchers. But I still think he's going to have a really, really good opportunity here and play, play pretty well. We'll see. Wow. We'll see. That's a crazy story. It is. Thank um, you for that. I loved it. Yeah, very crazy story. Uh, Lance Lynn's going to join us soon, by the way, and uh, we'll mark a very special occasion for us. He will actually be officially the 200th active player guest appearance. Oh, nice! In six months and change. I'll be honest, man. We've had we've, together, culminating all this. We've had some really good players on here, and more to come. It it's been fantastic, man. 200 guys coming on interviews here and especially just starting sky's the limit for us here man it's, it's, been, it's been really it's been really fun you having fun could you imagine 200 plus yeah already because we're on every day too yeah we're doing work exactly it goes you give kudos to the people behind the scenes for sure and also for everyone to know because it's a good time to do it um we run it in the off season yeah because also that's gonna be fun there too. are a lot of fans in hiding right now i don't know if anyone's heard like Padres fans are sleeping. Yankees fans are definitely sleeping because they don't want to watch New York football. <laughs> um, there, are, there are a lot of snoozers. Chicago fans, pretty Oof. big fan base, snoozing at the moment. They will all rise and look to see what goes on. And there's still going to be a lot of drama too. And there's, there's sneaky little coaching changes going down. Kratz, during our watch party um, that we did for Phillies Braves game two, there were some FT fans that usually don't get to sh catch the show live, right? Because we're on during the afternoon, um, but they watch the show back in the evening. And, and one of those fans who turns to us for any news, especially because we tell it like it is, they were like thoughts on the coaching changes because the Red Sox sneak, you know, a few coaching changes. Great night to do it, right? Like there's so much action going on MLB playoffs. Like, boom, we're going to let go a few people. Like uh, th they got rid of Carlos Fables and uh, – and Dave Bush, their pitching coach, and the, the Nats like almost cleaned house with their coaching staff behind Davey Martinez, which I'm fascinated to learn more about because um, the Nats overachieved their asses off this year. I don't, I don't understand that. I, I don't understand the Nats part, and I'll never, I'll never be okay with firing one of my original draftee mates, Dave Bush, me, Dave Bush, John Schneider. Complete, absolute, just microcosms of baseball and the like, the different careers that we had. But it's interesting. It was very, very bold move. Not a bold move, a very smart move. Announcing it during the, it was literally during the Braves and Phillies game. Like they were just like, oh, this happened. We just got rid of our entire, our entire coaching staff. Like you think that I don't know if that's Davey, if that's because I don't no. know Davey's. It's got to be it's got to be Rizzo just being like we can do better. Nope. I have a theory. I have a theory and then we got to get to our guest he's waiting for us. 
my theory is the Nats have this weird money thing. They they apparently are one of the dirt cheap people with managers, coaching staff, front office people. They offered their assistant GM a pay cut, and he said "fuck you" and left. So um, I I could see them <coughs> wow. handling a situation like that with some of the coaches. We'll get to it later. We got plenty of time to talk about it in the offseason. Rich Rowley will be all over that story. So had a couple announcements we're gonna make. So. Let's do that during <clears throat> slap hands action. I feel like we always have announcements, which is cool because I mean we're pretty active. We're, yeah. We don't sit around much. There's just always something else popping up. I'll give you one teaser. It is very likely that we will do what we did on what's today tuesday monday evening um another watch along for phillies braves because people liked it and it was nice. cool and we'll bring some friends so stay tuned for that you'll learn more info and todd father's up next with his announcement yeah so i, I announced this last week i'm having my second annual fraser pong tournament it is um you know throwing uh ping pong balls into a cup it's a fun game um all the money is benefiting the children's specialized hospital foundation uh, there'll be a silent auction. There'll be a lot of prizes. There, we're trying to get 64 teams to make it like an NCAA bracket tournament. There'll be a loser's bracket as well. There's less than 20 spots left. Saturday, November 18th at Sawmill in Seaside Heights, man. It's great. We've raised over 25000 already. We're looking to raise 50000 It's going to be a great event. Pizza's going to be on the Sawmill, one of the best slices you'll ever get. They are giving out free pizza. Uh, there'll be a bar there. So if you want another alcoholic beverage go ahead it's going to be a great <laughs> night uh last year's team won uh, an 80 inch tv this year there might be um well no there's gonna be wwe tickets or Ooh. jingle ball tickets so there's gonna be really good prizes at this and you know the top couple teams are gonna win you're gonna get goody prizes there's gonna be a lot and there's still sponsorships available so there'll be a link on there scan the code check it out you want to donate to the children's specialized hospital let's go and i also thought this was what? I thought this was a ping pong tournament. <laughs> no, no, pong. no, pong. no, 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 not ping pong because you you wouldn't beat me in that either. Adult pong. You're a B player. Pong though. What, what is this? What is this pong game? So you take a <laughs> uh, a ball, a ping pong ball, and throw it into uh, red cups, solo cups. Red cups. And is so, there something in those cups? And there'll be water in those cups because you don't want to drink out of those. That's disgusting. You don't want to share with <laughs> a ball. I don't want your saliva. So. This if you nice want to have a, a beverage next to you to drink and play fair, that's fine. You go right ahead. It's going to be a fun time. We're adults. You, the FT family is going to be there. Yes. Correct. Well, the FT fam's there. So for people watching, if you're in the area and you want to play, and we'll promote it, obviously, more leading up to it as well. But um, spots are filling up, and eventually it'll sell out, and then you won't be able to participate. So, yes. And then you'll just have to watch us. Like, uh, and fans are welcome. You can come on. There, that's there's, what I'm plenty, there's plenty opening. It's a big, it's a big spot right on the water. Some good views, good times. We'll Is it windy? Up. I don't want my ball to like. No, it, it'll be in. So it'll be indoors. Don't you cool. worry about it. I will say, like bucket list item, everybody should have pong with Todd Father and Seaside on their <laughs> list with and some pie. That is with some with some so pie. Jersey. Oh. And the the pizzas, the the slices are are huge. So you you'll have one and be full. But listen, Ron from Sawmill, I appreciate you. This is a second annual one there. Free pizza. I mean, the pie takes over this whole table. That's Bigger than a MLB base. Yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Hundred <laughs> uh, percent. And then one more announcement here for the crowd, actually, for tonight, because we're trying to give you as much live action during these games as possible. FT will run a Twitter Spaces. So if you're on Twitter and you'd like to listen to us, I mean, it's not video. We'll wear whatever the hell we want. You know how Twitter Spaces works. <laughs> It'll start in the ninth inning of that second game. So it's Baltimore against Texas. That game's 8 o'clock Eastern. So you figure these games are three-ish hours. So by probably 9.45 range, you might have um, – I'll be on there. Uh, one of our superstars behind the scenes, Michael, who does a great job on our social media team and is actually a, a super influencer for the Texas Rangers. I mean, not for the ball club, but tweets about them. We'll have uh, Locked on Orioles Twitter accounts. We'll have some Orioles and Rangers people, and we'll – break down that game in the ninth as it's going down and then we'll talk about it post game so look out for that on 
FT Twitter. And yes, again, I'll remind everyone, Braves Phillies, I guess we can say <coughs> then happening tomorrow, watch party. So many ways to hang out with us in the evening, especially for the crowd that watches the show at night because you're working during the day. Um, come talk to us live on Twitter spaces tonight, Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night, Phillies Braves watch party on YouTube and Kratz hats. What do you got? Ty, oh, you know what that is? The tides? No. It's the Toronto Blue Jays. For a minute, <laughs> this was their hat. It was. It was. It was. What, what, Vernon Wells back in the day. Vernon Wells back in yeah. the day. Brutal choice. Love the black and silver, though. It was, it was a sharp, but the logo. Toronto's always looking to change their logo. Yeah, they are. And they shouldn't, because I, I like what they've got. But yeah, that, that hat, I will say, is, is brutal in every way, including even the way you can wear it backwards. It looks like there's like a mic attached yes, to the hat, yes. right? Nice lineage. Looks like there's there's some wiring. It's good for Kratzy. It stretches a little bit. So he's got oh, that. Oh, need that. Need that. Yeah. Big old brain. Uh, we did this every day, obviously. Enjoy the playoff games this evening, and then we will break them all down. Also, Pierzynski calling that game with the uh, Astros and Twins coming up. So see you on Wednesday on FT Alive. We'll be here. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.